everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, a proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs Chapter. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. Tony Andrecki here with Andy Martinez. We have a packed pod for you, which is always kind of fun to say. Yeah. You say packed pod five times in a row. But uh, Hayden Wesneski's dominant debut, so it's yeah. the podcast full of alliteration, I yeah. think, right now. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Wade Miley's return. Yeah. I don't really have alliteration there. Miley's miracle. I, I'm All right, we got nothing. The weather words, you know, I we're just going to move into it. Um, so the first thing on our, our agenda is the trivia question. Okay. We have the, the cool marquee card. This is courtesy of Kyle Milanovic from our social team. Hayden Wesneski started his career with 4.1 hitless innings. Since 2000, who are the other four pitchers to start their career with at least three hitless innings? With at least three hitless yeah. innings. And just so you guys know, this is this is just the question. This is not the answer. So I'm guessing here with Andy um, to make their start their career with at least three hitless innings. Was it major league debut or was it it was major league debut? Um, Randy Wells. No. Kyle's off to the side in a voice of God manner. So yeah. if you if you see us looking this way to say who is it, if you're watching on the video form, uh, Randy Wells is a good guess. Kyle, can we get a hint of one year? I'll give you all the years. Okay. So one pitcher was in 2001. 2001. One was in 2012. 2012. One was in 2019. 2019. And one was this year, 2022. So do the three hitless innings need to be in the same outing? Yeah. Okay. So Probably it was like career. Brandon Hughes' first three outings or something yeah. like that. Got it. All in the same game. Okay. All right. I'm going to work back from this year, 2022. There's been so many debuts. It's, I know. It's, it's, it's like hard. Like 15 As- after Wesneski. Asad was the, the... Killian. Killian. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Killian's one. All right. So we got one. Then 2019 was the other one you said. Adbert. Boom. Two. You can help out anytime you yeah, want. I'm, I'm, yeah, don't worry. This, this is my yeah. expertise right 2008? here. 2008 was the other year? 2001 and 2012. 2001, 2012. Oh, man. 2012. 2012. I'll give you a hint on the 2012. It was a left-handed pitcher. That didn't help me. Yeah, that didn't help me. 2001. That was before Zambrano's time, right? So it wasn't Zambrano? It was Zambrano? Oh, I was going to say that, but I thought it was 02 or 03 that he yeah, debuted. Oh, I man, I was off. I, All right. Big Z. And then the 2012 one is Chris Rusin. Oh, Chris Russin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chris Russin, 2012. Yeah, He had a pretty good career with the Rockies for a bit, too. Also Shout a good out hitter. Yeah. All the Thank you. So, Tony three, Andy zero, and we only got three of four. Well, that was fun. That was we'll fun. do it again yeah. next week. Um, so the big thing, obviously, Hayden Wesneski's dominant debut. We just talked about it. He was phenomenal. He went 4.1 mm-hmm. innings before he gave up a hit. Ended up giving up back-to-back hits, but you know, still got out of it. Yeah. Struck out, what, eight in five yeah. innings to close it out. Ends up getting the win. You know, I, It was just all around very impressive. He had eight swings and misses. He talked a little bit after the game about um, kind of updating his pitches because we were all looking on StatCast, and it was like... It's like curveball, slider, and it's like, well, my slider's really a cutter, a cutter and my curveball's really a slider. 
So it's, I, yes. I really had to think about that one. That was very confusing. It was complicated for sure. But um, at the end of the day, he missed a lot of bats and he gave up no runs. Call it what you will. They got they were strikes. That's, yep. At the end of the day, that's what that's what matters. And yeah, like you said, it was it really was dominant. Like from the moment he went in, you know, strikeout right off the bat, strikeout right off the bat, the second strikeout right off the bat, and he just never seemed like he was in. Uh, over his head, like the moment never got too big for him. David Ross always says that it was very composed and relaxed, and he he just knew what he wanted to do with each pitch, and the pitches were nasty. I mean, that slider was re- like he he got some really nasty swings yeah. on it. Um, you know, there there was the 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 moment at the end where where the Reds manager comes out and is arguing the the slider that you know clipped the edge of the zone. I mean, it was he was just spotting his pitches and. Jan Gomes said after the game, like he was, he knew what he wanted to do. He had the pitch ability. That's something you don't see all the time out of rookies. No, for sure. I mean, the composure and like we were talking to him in the post game clubhouse or the press press room, and he was talking about. I asked him like why or how he keeps kept himself from the adrenaline getting too much or the emotions to be too much. And he said he picks a spot. He always does it every field. He picks a spot and he looks at it and it helps him calm down. Yep. At Wrigley, he picked it out earlier in the day. So this is already a conscious thought. This is like yeah. well before he took the mound. Top of the left field foul pole. So when he felt like things were speeding up on him, felt like things may be rushed or getting out of hand, whatever it was, he would look at the top of the left field foul pole. And I mean, it worked, but like to hear a 24-year-old talk like that yeah. was fascinating to hear a guy who in his first big league outing could be that I you know he's like very forthcoming and it yeah. was like refreshing in a lot of ways about like yeah you know I'm always nervous and I yeah. have a lot of nervous energy out there and I'm nervous all the time from the time I start warming up to the time I get in the mound and you know all of that I thought it was just like really cool and like he just looked and we were talking about this Andy yesterday I know like he looks older than he is, both yeah. in, in terms of how he goes about it, the way he talks, and then just like his persona, his attitude, it looks older than 24. Yeah, and I think the, the cool thing about it was he it seemed like he genuinely soaked in every moment. You like, you No matter if you play for one day in the majors or if you play for 10 years in the majors, you only have one debut. You only experience that once in your career. And it seemed like he genuinely soaked that all in, Was whether it was, you know, like you mentioned, the left field foul pole, whether it was... You know, he says he when he goes to the minor when he has a uh, friends or family at minor league games when he was in the minor leagues he never tried to find his family or friends because he didn't want to hear yeah. them and he didn't want that to get into his head. Here, you know, he couldn't he couldn't not listen to them and he enjoyed soaking it all in and he enjoyed the process. He joked, you know, he's like I've never talked this much in my life because he met with media pregame and then he met with the media after and he had you know a lot of TV interviews too. He, he had just had a lot going on, but it seemed like he genuinely soaked in all the moments. And that was that was refreshing, like you said, too. And it was a very special moment for him, too. He mentioned he always calls his dad after games, and he, he was going to call his dad. And he's like, I'm going to let my dad do all the talking because I, <laughs> I've done enough talking for today. But, yeah, it was just refreshing. It was just very, very cool. He mentioned pregame, too. He got emotional when he got the call. And that story in and of itself, because of the dominance of his debut, almost got overlooked just how awesome his call-up story were. He woke up late, and it's Labor Day in Jacksonville, Florida, and he's like, I need to have breakfast. Everything's closed. I'll just go to the gas station. And he's going to the gas station. Marty Peavy calls him and says, hey, you're going up to the big leagues. And for him, it was a pinch-me moment. He's like, "Was that? did that really happen? Did I, and he called his dad. He's like, I think I got called up, but I'm not sure. And his dad's like, well, you got to find out because I need to know if you really got called up. And sure enough, he was called up and was a major leaguer. 
Yeah, and you mentioned like all those TV interviews and stuff. And so we, Taylor McGregor from Marquee Sports Network, actually caught up with Wesneski after the game on the field as he was coming off from getting the win. So let's hear from him right there. Hayden, what was going through your mind when David Ross handed you the ball for your major league debut? Man, I really wasn't trying to mess it up. That's about it. Throw strikes, fill it up, and do what I do best. Just try to be myself. I know that's all. I, that's why they traded for me. And they reminded me that, and I just tried to be myself, ultimately. Five scoreless innings. What was working so well? The slider. I was mixing it up. My two-seam was throwing well. And they're majority right-handed lineup, so that helped. You called the changeup your X factor. How much of a weapon was that for you tonight? In that last inning, it was very helpful. I got the punch out onto that lefty. But uh, to, with a bunch of righties, there's no need for me to use a changeup tonight. Your family, your brother Cole in attendance, as well as I think about 20 other people, what does it mean to you to have them here supporting you? Man, I'm so glad they're here. I mean, they're, it makes a, it takes a village to, to raise a child, you know, and uh, they all had a hand in it, and I appreciate that, and they're very, very loving people, and I, I can't believe on a moment's notice they fly out here like that. Did you have any idea you were going to be able to work five innings when you were handed the ball tonight? Uh, no, I knew I had pitch count. I had a pitch count. That's all I did. Uh, all I knew, and I was just trying to pitch the contact and throw strikes, and ultimately it went to five innings this time. I noticed you breathing on the mound. How did that start? Um, it was last year in double-A. I was struggling a little bit. Uh, I had a bad, like I would go out there with a bad mental space, and the, the breathing helped me get to the point where um, I can throw, I get, get there mentally every time. And so the breathing really came last year in the middle of the year with Daniel Moscos, actually, and uh, it helped me just focus each pitch and, and separate them out. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? Wait, what? I'll take $300. $300? Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. All right, so we heard from Hayden Wesneski there after his debut, but just, Andy, what's next for him? We have this this rookie came up, Caleb Killian, it happened in June. We thought this guy may be here for a while. He could pitch long enough, stick in the rotation. Ended up making three starts, obviously struggled with his command, has been down in AAA and has struggled you know, up and down since he's been down there too, and we haven't seen him since. Wesneski, what do you think? Do we see him the final four weeks this season, and what role does he play? Yeah, I think... The big thing for sure that he provides is length, right? When We've seen the amount of injuries that the Cubs have had to the starting rotation. Wade Miley coming back, it's unrealistic to think he's going to go seven, eight innings every time. As much as when he, with his pace, we'd love to see him go yeah. seven or eight innings each time. It's unrealistic to expect that. So he can piggyback. You know, if another starter doesn't give you a length, there, there's that option too. Uh, and there's a lot of young arms in there right now, whether it's like Javier Assad is, is still mm. on the rotation. Just having that length that can, can fill some innings is huge. And who knows, you know, as I mentioned with the with the injuries, we could see him starting, but I think there's value in having him up here. He was going to have to get added to the 40-man this winter anyway, so why not get Adam to the 40-man and get this look in the majors now? And if he continues to pitch like this, it's hard not to say, you know, give him as many looks as you can because it, it's valuable. It's valuable experience. We saw what it did for Keegan Thompson mm-hmm. and Justin Steele in 2021 where they were coming out of the pen and pitching in short spurts like, like – I don't want to say five innings is a short spurt, right? but Keegan and Justin were pitching in two or three innings, and it kind of gave them comfortability that they they can pitch at this level. Now with Hayden Wisniewski, it's, he's starting to get that, and it only benefits the Cubs going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point about Thompson and Steele. Like, yes, they 
they came in as relievers. They got, they proved that they could get big league hitters out to themselves, to the team, to the rest of the league. But I think they just learned so much. Like yeah. they, they came up as relievers, both, you know, either went down to the minors, got hurt, and then worked back up as starters. But then we've seen them explode this yeah. year, right? Like Keegan Thompson was the best pitcher on the team and one of the best pitchers in the National League for the first two months of the season. Yeah. And then... And, and there's been talk, like Jan Gomes said, he has ace-quality stuff. He yeah. told Rick Sutcliffe that early in the year. Justin Steele has been the ace all year mm-hmm. up until he just got hurt. He's been the most consistent starter. He's eaten a lot of innings. He's been the guy. So both guys took major leaps yeah. this year because they got a taste of the big leagues last year. Right. So even if Wesneski struggles over the first the final four weeks here, it, th- I'm sure he's going to learn a lot about his routine, yeah. about how to be a reliever, about how to be a starter, about how to get big league hitters out, whatever it is, how to make his stuff play go into the offseason, and then come back next year and maybe take a leap again. That's obviously what the Cubs are hoping for. That's what he's hoping for. And I think that's the best path to try to make something like that happen is let him just pitch in the big leagues. However it happens, let him pitch in the big leagues. And then also, like, there's a lot of value in the in the Keegan Thompson or yeah. Hayden Wesneski type of player that can come out and pitch three to five innings in a bullpen, saves your bullpen, it's fun to watch. Yeah. I think it's just it's a different kind of weapon, and the the best version of the Cubs bullpen this year was when they had Keegan Thompson doing that. Yeah, that that's very important too. And 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 I want to go back on something too. There's the value of being around veterans who have done it for a long time. Being around a, a Marcus Stroman, a Drew Smiley, a Wade Miley, guys who have been in the league for you know many seasons, and in Smiley, Miley's case, it's over ten years that know the rigors of a, of a major league season, that know the rigors of being a starter, of being a multifunctioning role as a pitcher. There's there's value in being around those guys, getting to pick their brains. Wesneski alluded to it earlier that he knew Miley because Miley had made a few rehab starts in Iowa, and he was really glad that he got to you know talk to him and, and pick his brain a little bit. And there was value for Keegan and Steele mm-hmm. when that happened last year, right? Jake Arrieta, Cy Young Award winner, dominant ace, at at one point in his career was in that was in that rotation. Kyle Hendricks, uh, Zach Davies, with a lot of experience. Like there's there's value in learning from from veterans and being up here that you quite frankly won't get at AAA Iowa necessarily. Yeah, and just learning all these different things that like Jason Hayward was always so good at is like yeah. how to tip the clubbies, how to dress and act in the in the hotel or on team flights, like those are things that David Ross has pointed to, but that's just something that Hayward has always helped the youngsters with. Yeah. But that's, they're little things and they seem like, oh, how does that make any sense? Well, it helps a player feel comfortable so he can go out there and pitch. Yeah. And like you just mentioned too, learning from Wade Miley, like Miley helped Wesneski feel comfortable yeah. to go out and pitch as we saw from his debut. So that made an impact for sure, you know, see how that plays out. And then as we talk about Thompson and Steele, both are on the IL with with uh, low back tightness right now. Steele was just put on uh, Tuesday. Thompson has been on for about a week and a half, almost two weeks now. He threw a live VP, Thompson did, against Cubs hitters on Tuesday. Steele is going to be out, obviously, at least another 10-plus days, given the time frame of this. But at the same time, there's there's no guarantee that they come back at all. Just the way the, the situation is playing out, Thompson will have been out for at least three weeks at that point. So, I mean, he would have to build back up. Same with Steele. He'll be out almost three weeks, even if he comes off on the minimum here. So it's definitely a a tough situation for the Cubs to figure out. They said they want them to pitch. The the guys have both said that they want to pitch as well. But it's also not worth pushing these guys. They need to be healthy going into the offseason. Yeah, that's the big thing. You know, David Ross earlier before, I think Keegan had just gone on the IL, but Justin was still you know, pitching at his dominant level um, prior prior to going on the aisle. He mentioned, you know, there's value in 
going through the full major league season and knowing what that feels like and knowing what your body feels like once you hit September. Um, because in, in an ideal world, you're, you're in September, you're going for a playoff push. And if you're already this tired, you want to know that so you know how to pitch going into October. Uh, in Keegan and Justin Thompson, Eric in Keegan and that, I made them in one picture. They're yeah, they're, they're ambidextrous. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, but in, in their case, you know, it's important that they finish out the season if it's viable. Like you mentioned, if you're pushing it, you don't want to cause them to get injured or or, or overextenuate and get hurt more than they need to be going into the offseason. You want them healthy in 2023 to be able to go through a full season. So yes, it's important that they finish the season, but it's not it's not so crucial that they do it at the expense of next season and beyond. Yeah, and I, I, we'll probably see Edward Alzali up here at yeah. some point as well. Like, I mean, honestly, by the time this podcast publishes, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it. <laughs> yeah. Based off, we're recording a few hours before Wednesday's game, and yeah. Alzali just pitched three innings for AAA Iowa on Tuesday. And Jed Hoyer was saying, as we spoke to him pregame Tuesday, like, we'll see, we'll assess that tomorrow, right. what happens with Alzali. So, I'm, I mean, he's a guy that over the final three and a half, four weeks of the season, we can see in some form as well. Maybe yeah. as a multi-inning reliever, maybe he goes into the rotation, as we've talked about. But, yeah, another huge piece and a guy who was such a big part of last year, mm-hmm. getting him back healthy, start the offseason healthy, and then go into next year as just another weapon. And that's what the Cubs need. They need yeah. a bunch of weapons. They need Hendricks to come back healthy. They need Stroman to come back. Steele, I think you kind of start the rotation with those three guys. And then you have Keegan Thompson. Then you have Alzali. Then you have Hayden Wesneski. Maybe Killian. Maybe Assad. You know, some of these other guys. Maybe And then obviously I still think they sign one or two veterans or, yeah. or maybe bring a guy like Miley or Smiley back. So I think that's really like the – it's like the um, it's the ingredients, right? Like yeah. the recipe will kind of figure itself out from there, but you need to get everything in one place first, and that's what they're doing with the pitching staff is right. getting these guys. So it's, it's certainly encouraging, and it will be encouraging to see Alzelay up at some point if all goes well. Yeah, and that, that's the thing too is you can't just pencil in, all right, these are our five starters, and we're going to go through a 162-game yeah. season, and all five guys are going to be healthy and make every, every – like that's just unrealistic. Whether you're whether you're a rebuilding team, a contending team, whatever situation you're in, it's unrealistic to just go in with the, the bare minimum. You want to have all these options, so you, you might. I, I think there's the natural inclination to think, well, that's already you know five starters, and and if you add one or two more, then you're at like seven starters. You you you're gonna go through hiccups. You're gonna go through guys. You know they ne- might need to skip a starter. They might go on the IL. It's just natural progression of baseball season. So to be able to have those multi assets, whether it's it's another starter, a veteran starter, or being able to push Keegan Thompson into the into the bullpen or whatever that creates so many options that that help you as a team in the long run. Yeah, and you know honestly, another thing that might help the team in the long run, not necessarily a pitching sense, is a guy like Ben Zobris being yeah. around the team more often. And we talked a little bit about him with Jed Hoyer on Tuesday about the role that he has. So it's basically an ambassador type role. That's kind of it was a little vague, but that's essentially our understanding now is he does some alumni type stuff. Um, he's obviously a guy who has not pitched since he struck out Yadier Molina. That was his final appearance as a Cub. A lot of people don't know that. Fun fact. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was he was such an influential personality yeah. and player around. He obviously resonated with the fan base. Like one of my favorite stories with him is I think it was just a couple of days after the World Series ended, like two three days after Game Seven, he was at his his house in the Chicagoland area. And uh, he was signing autographs, and there was a line down the street. And I, I won't say exactly what neighborhood he was in, but, like, 
he was signing autographs and people just kept lining up and they figured out what it was. And supposedly he was out there for like hours just signing autographs because yeah. word kept spreading. And he, he showed up to, you know, he would wear PF flyers and he'd ride his bike in full uniform yeah. to the game. Like there was a, a fun aspect for a guy who grew up in Illinois, went to Olivet Nazarene, like knows all of this, knows the history and everything about this team. But also like, as Jed Hoyer put out, he's a self-made guy. Yeah. He, he had, he was a very cerebral player. He, he had a great approach to the plate, played all these different positions, a switch hitter. Like, he's exactly the kind of guy that a lot of these young players need to learn from. Yeah. Two-time World Series champion, three-time All-Star. Like, a guy that if he if his role expands, if it's a special assistant role, if, you know, I don't see him being on, on a coaching staff right now right. and doing something day-to-day, but to be around in a more regular basis in spring training or beyond, I think it would be very, very beneficial for this team. P.J. Higgins mentioned his when David Ross was a special assistant, his limited interactions with him and how it benefited him to try and be a better catcher uh, when he was in the minor league system. There's value in that, you know, if there's a minor leaguer who is playing all over the field, to be able to pick Ben Zorbers' brain is huge, right, where it's like maybe – you're not used to, uh, oh, i got to play left field today, i got to play second base tomorrow, i gotta, I got to play first base the day after. Maybe that's not used to it. Maybe there's something that Ben Zobers can offer because he was that guy, that switcher yeah. to that, you know, seemingly played every single position every single day. There's benefit in having that in your organization. And as you mentioned, you know, the self-made aspect, you know, there's, we see it every year. We saw it in Morrell's case where it's not necessarily a big-name prospect, but that comes up and has success right away. To be able to have that kind of, guy that can have that influence is beneficial to an organization from top to bottom at the big league level and at the minor leagues. Yeah, and as we kind of evaluate who's going to have an impact on this team moving forward, we're going to start a new thing for the final four weeks or so of the season, the four podcasts as we do one a week of looking at guys and dissecting whether they're going to be back on the team next year or make an impact or not. So first up, Andy, a guy we talked about before on this podcast for sure, and, and as we were getting ready for this, is Friend Mill Reyes. Like, yeah. How does he fit into the team? He's under team control for another two years after 2022. Obviously, he takes up the DH spot. He hasn't played anywhere on the field for the Cubs yet. Don't know if he would move to like first base or even go back into playing the outfield sure. where he didn't rate very high on, on defensive metrics. So is he a guy that would slot into the DH spot next year and come back and make $5, 6000000 million in, in, as a year two arbitration player? Because, I mean... He struggled with, with the Cleveland Guardians earlier this year. Since he's been on the Cubs, 26 games entering play Wednesday, hitting 280, 324 on base, 500 slugging. That's an 824 OPS, yeah. and it feels like we haven't really even tapped into the power potential yet. Yeah, that's the thing. is We've seen flashes, right? Early on, uh, was it? I think it was like five games he started with, five extra straight base. games with an extra base hit. And, and it's like, oh, this is kind of the player we expected. Then it was a little bit of a dip, and, and now he's consistently getting hits. There's a lot of value in his bat in the sense that, you know, yes, he, he can hit home runs. We saw he hit 37 in 2019, but he also can hit doubles. He can hit singles. He can he, he can hit for power. He slugs. The 500 slugging is very, very valuable in a team that, you know, David Ross and Jed Hoyer have alluded to. There, there hasn't been a lot of slug in the lineup, and, and so adding him is very, value, very valuable, and I think having him as a waiver claim was a, a fantastic pickup that the mm-hmm. Cubs you know, it made sense on so many facets. And I think that it makes sense going into 2023 um, to have him at the DH spot, to be able to pencil him at the DH spot. And maybe, you know, maybe you say in the offseason, hey, you know, maybe let's start working on some things that maybe you could potentially play first base every once in a while, give give someone a day off and, and, and give someone else a, the DH spot for the day. Or, or maybe it's, yeah, let's work on some things to, to go back out in left field. There's a lot of value in having Fran Mill Reyes and, and 
to, to having someone who can hit a lot of home runs, who can hit a lot for power in the middle of the lineup is huge for the Cubs. Yeah, right. And, I mean, he's still a young guy. You know, yeah. he's, what, 26 years old, I, I think. So, so yeah. yeah, he's a young guy, obviously, like we said, under team control. So there is the potential long-term factor here. For me, over the final month of the season, I mean, I feel like he would have to go into a really huge slump yeah. in order to do that because they've raved about his personality, his impact in the clubhouse, his positive vibes, and then we've seen him perform on the field. Yeah. So I would think it would have to be like this horrible slump where he's, he looks completely lost to the yeah. plate for them to not seriously consider – bring him back as the DH for next season. So it'll definitely be curious how it plays out. For me, I'd say, you know, probably 85% sure that yeah, he's going to be on agreed. the team next year. A guy I'm not so sure is going to be on the team, Rafael Ortega. Yeah. He he was awesome last year. I mean, we know yeah. what he could do, right? He was a platoon guy, strong side, as a left-handed hitter against right-handed pitching. He feasted against righties. And yeah. 271 plate appearances against righties last year, hit 321, 374 on base, 900 OPS. This year, he's dropped almost 100 points in batting average, down to 232. Still decent on base, 326, but the slugging's taken a huge hit, down almost 200 points. So it's just a 678 in 336 plate appearances against against right-handed pitching. So a 678 OPS versus a 900 last year. Average dropped about 100 points. He's 31 years old. He's made some some miscues defensively and, and on the base pass. But he can still play all three outfield spots, and the Cubs just don't have a lot of lefty bats, and they don't have a lot of lefty bats that are close. Yeah, that's the big thing. That was my initial reaction. Is, is if you take him out of the lineup, it's very right-handed heavy, yeah. which is a lot easier to game plan against, a lot easier to go up against. There's value in having him in the sense that he gets, he puts the ball in play, he has contact, but it's just a big night and day difference between what he was last year and what he is this year. You, you knew when he was coming up. Every, I mean, he was the leadoff hitter last year, and yeah. you knew it. it was like, all right, he's he's gonna get two knocks at least every day. Like you can pencil that in, like n- no questions asked about that. And now, you know he's gonna put he he can put the ball in play, but it's not a hundred percent positive that you know it's gonna be a knock or it's gonna be it, it's it's just been a, a night and day contrast. And, and you're right, you know, at the at his age, given his performance, there's no guarantee he's back in in 2023. Yeah, and we talked about it on last week's podcast and wrote a story from MarqueeSportsNetwork.com about just the, the 40-man roster crunch. Yeah. The Cubs have a lot of guys that they need to get on and get protected. One guy we saw, Hayden Wesneski, was Rule 5 eligible. They had to protect him this year. Obviously, he's already up. We'll see a bunch of other guys. Brennan Davis is another Kevin example. Like Kevin Alcon. These guys need to be protected. They absolutely will be protected. But then there's a lot of guys on the bubble, and Nicholas Padilla was one that got called up for a while. He was on the 40-man, then just DFA to make room for yeah. some of these other guys, actually to make room for Michael Hermosillo when Wilson Contreras went on the IL. So um, there's going to be a lot of moving parts, and when it's all said and done, I, I wonder if Ortega is on the way out just because of that. Yeah. That being said, I do expect then if Ortega is out, I, the Cubs got to add left-handed hitting they, next year yeah, somehow. They, in any way possible. Yeah. It, you, it, it's too right-handed heavy that you would need that left-handed bat to, to, to balance things out because as it would sound, I believe it would just be Ian Happ overall on the rock. Alfonso Rivas Alfonso right now Rivas. is lefty. But yeah. it's, Zach it's, McKinstry. Zach McKinstry, but it's very, very right-handed heavy. And, and we've seen McKinstry kind of platoon, and Rivas kind of platoon. Happ yeah. is the only one, and he's a switch hitter that has been um, an everyday player that can hit from the left side. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, Happ is going into his final season under contract, yeah. too. So, like, the, the Cubs need to find some long-term left-handed uh, power, left-handed bat in the lineup. Matt Mervis is a guy 
who does not need to be protected this winter and probably will not just given the 40-man roster yeah. crunch we said. So we probably won't see him in Chicago. Um, that's kind of the Cubs' plan right now. May go to Arizona Fall League. That's kind of been rumored. I, I don't think that's beneficial yet. Um, so, you know, maybe see him on that stage. But then next year, yeah, you never know. Like, yeah. I don't know what in terms of a big spring training or how he plays out. He's only 24 years old. He's mashed at every level, left-handed hitting first baseman. Like, there's some option there for sure. Yeah. He is a guy maybe long-term to look to get a left-handed bat, especially in the middle of the order. Um, but, yeah, definitely I think we'll, we'll have to wait and see on Mervis. I don't think he's a guy we're seeing this year. No, that's a, that's a nice, uh, for lack of a better phrasing, that's a nice can to be able to kick down the road for, yeah. for a future problem. It's a nice future problem to have. It's not one that Jed Hoyer needs to put on his plate right now with, with all the roster crunch that is inevitably going to happen this winter. Yeah, for sure. And uh, as we recap the roster crunch, stay tuned to the Cubs Weekly Podcast every week uh, and check out all of our articles on MarqueeSportsNetwork.com as Andy and I have you covered on all news for the final month of the season. That'll do it for this week's edition of the podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download it and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. Thanks for watching and listening.